G'day and welcome to Lakeside Drive F1 podcast. In this episode, we chat about the race that's just happened that wasn't a race and the man who went fastest but wasn't on pole and then didn't get fastest. Anyway, we're having a pre-drink session ahead of the British Grand Prix. And I'm joined by two people who thought they were immune to being locked down again and it serves them right for having a laugh at me and obviously that's uh, Tommy T and uh, Thomas J. Camp, my lockdown friends. Still laughing at you, Jim. Yeah. Good luck. Course. You're not getting out of this for six months, idiot. It's not no, going well until next year. <laughs> <laughs> it's not going well. <laughs> just... Aren't you glad you're in New South Wales? Uh, <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> Look, there's only so much sport you can watch. and uh, You're not I'm wrong. Just about at my limit at the moment. I watched three games of rugby yesterday. And Ooh. Well, that's why. This one's <laughs> Friday, Saturday night. Uh. <laughs> that's why. Oh, I'm, yeah, very good. I'm quite partial to rugby union, but I haven't watched it for so long. I just don't care. But uh, I'm, did, did Australia win, Campy? Uh, they did. Three oh, of points. course they did. Against the French. The, uh, no, the French have been good, actually. Mate, you're watching the wrong thing. The Opals won against the US. We're just the, toweling them up in basketball the, the at the moment, which is good. Who are the Opals? The female <laughs> basketball team. Jeepers. Oh, Jeepers. Anyway, let's talk about uh, T20. Sorry, I mean a sprint race <laughs> um, to, as we pull in other sports from all over the place. Now, before we talk about that, lads, let's talk about uh, some news that we've had from between the last race to this race. Um, the new car for 2022 has been unveiled. Campy, please give me your immediate thoughts. Uh, I, did, I hate that livery that they put on it, but mm. uh, I think it was Mullis gave us a Instagram collection of... Uh, the current team's liveries on the new car, and I must admit they look really good. Mm. Tommy T. So, not about it. The front wing looks stupid. Yeah, the rear wing looks fixed and dumb to me as well. That's... But Red Bull make them flex, so <laughs> get some fan <laughs> movement. They'll probably shapeshift up the straight. <laughs> we need to point out as well, this is just an interpretation from F1. This, the teams will look at every loophole and do everything they possibly can, so they won't all look like this. This is just what they think based on the, the regs that they've set. Yeah. Look, the front wing looks like an S5000 car, and I don't like the look of them. And then everything back, I agree with Carlos Sainz, is like everything from the front wheels backwards looks good. And, yeah. you know, if it makes better racing, then fine. Oh, for sure. I guess I'm about it. I thought it would have been smaller again, to be honest. Still quite, I don't it's know. It's big. It's it gotten is. bigger. I think it's Why do we need bigger cars? It's because the turbo hybrids are so freaking massive. We don't There's want so much turbo to fit in hybrids. There. Why are we getting more turbo <laughs> yeah, hybrids? No, we want biofuel as well. Oh, God. Run it off hydrogen. That'll be fine. All right, let's talk yeah. about... Geez, that, that crash would be horrific, though. Oh, God, yeah, yeah, that's a very good point. <laughs> Just uh, no, that out. No, you don't need it. They can turn uh, hydrogen into a fertilizer now, which makes it safe to transport, so... But can you turn um, it into fertilizer when you crash the car? <laughs> all the fans would never come. It stinks as they're going around. That'd Let's, be awesome. All right. So we I don't like know it. a lot about the F, F the 2022 car. Apart not from a lot about much, to be honest. You're not wrong. <laughs> the delivery looks terrible. And the whole the that whole release thing that they did was, again, terrible. I don't understand why they're getting just terrible broadcasters to make terrible releases. All right, OzGP, let's talk about this because we didn't we haven't had an opportunity yet to ha- have the confirmation that uh, the Grand Prix has been cancelled, both of them, both MotoGP and F1. So we've lost two races again this year. Campy, what the hell happened? 
Uh, we told you so. We told you about six months ago. That yeah, it's it hardly news, is it? So, mm. uh, no, look, I emailed the Oz Grand Prix Corporation and I tried to get a uh, copy of the proposal that they gave to the Victorian government. Now, I didn't expect to hear anything back, but I was hoping that there'd be some pleb that's uh, doing an internship, just read the email, but yep, I'll give you that, no worries, but no, it didn't come out that way. <laughs> what a uh, surprise. That's how much care, how much faith Camby has in that corporation. <laughs> I think someone will just send him look, it. At the moment, I've got zero faith in the Victorian government, zero faith in the Oz Grand Prix Corporation, but the sticking point here was um, – was uh, the government refused to bend on two-week quarantine for the teams, which is just unacceptable. So uh, I've said it before and I'll say it again that F1 as an organisation has clearly demonstrated for the last two years, travelling all over the world, that they have a COVID plan and a system in place to keep the, the paddock inside a bubble, which far exceeds anything that our stupid, shitty government could do. Yeah. I think, On its best day ever. Yeah. Um, th- yeah, it's ridiculous. I think it's going to be more as well that there was no guarantee that it would run regardless. F1 wasn't going to risk coming over here and going, yep, we're all good, and then last minute getting shut down again. And the Victorian and Melbourne governments weren't going to give them that kind of guarantee that it would run. And they're just like, we can't risk it. Why would we fly everyone halfway across the world to get it cancelled again? It's not going to happen. Yeah, I didn't like the Oz Grand Prix. They came out in partnership with the Victorian government and made a statement. Now, I get that you can't bite the hand that feeds you to some extent, but I would like to see some pressure from from this organisation saying, well, the government's stupid and these are the sticking points and this is why it won't run. That's Otherwise, where its funding comes from, though. I was going to say, yeah. as you say, don't bite the hand that feeds you, yeah. But no, yeah. you're right, though. No, I get it, but, like, you can still you can still shit-can someone in a nice way and say, well, the government's <laughs> made a dumb decision here. You are so an benefit, built on. It doesn't benefit <laughs> anybody who's a fan. It doesn't benefit the, the economy of Melbourne. Um, yeah. oh, For sure. There's Look, no benefit to not having this race when it does, but... They used it as a political chance to change the narrative on why it's not happening too. So they're in the bin. They're shit ass. We're looking at get rid of all of them. Hundreds of thousands of people at the uh, the British Grand Prix this weekend. Yes, and their let's COVID talk numbers about are this. insane. Yeah, well, they're insane compared to ours. They got ten thousand a day. We've got like four hundred Australia wide or something. It's like, yeah, give me a break, you f-ing idiots. So anyway. <laughs> Oh, don't yeah, no. tell, tell us, tell hey, us how you really good. feel, Campy. You were good. I was real good. I kept my mouth shut then. Jeez. Oh, Except for all I the last I saw part. one of those dickheads walking through the supermarket. I would not hesitate. But to, Well, you wouldn't you know, know who they are, mate, because they'd be wearing a mask and so would you. Um, so <laughs> the reason for what I understand is that uh, there was actually some positive thinking about what was going on and then um, Australia cut the uh, in half the, the or caps on – International rivals and with the oh, current, give me with a it looks break. like a with it looks like Brazil's still happening, even though that's definitely not going to happen in the same <laughs> thing. No chance. The, but oh. look, we're going to get hopefully get a double header in the US, which would be bloody fantastic uh, to look at as at a, a benefit from this. Um, but yeah, the British Grand Prix has heaps of people there, and uh, I tell you what, I have you know I think we said this with the Austrian Grand Prix that or the steering Grand Prix in Austria with the, those that crowd back. <laughs> It sounded bloody good for Max, but yes, admittedly, you know, British people cheering British drivers, it was absolutely awesome to hear crowds cheering again, even though they're cheering for the wrong people. <laughs> it was good. It was good to have fans back. Um, 
I just can't stop watching and thinking this is going to be a massive outbreak and this is going to ruin it for every race going forward, just for Europe in general, just to have fans back and they're not wearing masks, they're not doing any social distancing. They're like, nope, we're back open as normal. Let's see how it goes. That's Well, the people have spoken. They oh. really don't give a shit about rules and regulations. <laughs> when push comes to shove, do they? Yep. The and interesting part as well is- Stupid governments wake up and realise that people don't really care about the decisions they're making. full- Oh, no, I'll just keep talking until the grid, <laughs> the grid was full of people. It was full of reporters. And, like, that's the most people I've seen in a paddock and a pit lane. I think there was some actual like F1 it. paddock access as well going on. So I think you're right, Tommy, in terms of the ability, though, to keep the bubble clear of COVID is slightly higher risk. Of course, Zach Brown isn't there this weekend. Um, he's tested positive, although they've said that the drivers were not close contacts, even though they're all hugging each other at the Goodwood Festival of Speed <laughs> as they were driving centers, um, which was owned by Zach. Zach is just such a cool dude. I really yeah. can't wait to get him on this podcast. But um, that whole thing. Anyway, Zach, uh, I'm sure enjoying watching from home, but he probably could really wish he was there in person. Oscar Piastri, though, campy. Doing it to the New Zealander Liam Lawson last night, having an epic battle. He is the real deal, isn't he? Yes, he qualified on pole for the feature race. So uh, in race one, he got a sixth position, pretty solid. Uh, a bit like race two, really. Got It took him a bit of time to get past uh, Lawson last night, but he just after he got past him, he lost the five or six seconds to the leaders, which is a shame. But this track is really hard to pass on. Um yeah, Piastri is a superstar. He's a cool, calm and collected young kid. He's currently leading the championship. He's 12 points ahead. Uh, going into tonight, starting on pole. Now, if he gets the start, we know this track's hard to start on. I think he's a shoe-in for 27 points with two points extra for the fastest lap. So that'll give him a commanding lead in the championship. You like counting your chickens, sir. <laughs> no, nah, mate, he is. Like, if... We're talking about first year in F3 last year, took the title, first year in F2. And to come out and drive the way he's driving at the moment, he is, I think Mark Webber said he's in the best two uh, young junior drivers in the world at the moment. Mm. So um, interesting for Alpine. I think they've jumped the gun. I don't think they expected Piastri to have the gains and the the competence that he's had in F2 this year. Mm. And uh, if Piastri wins the championship this year, which I think he will, I'll put money on it right now. he, what, he doesn't get to race next year in F2 if he wins the championship. So They're going to have to throw um, him in something else, potentially. Well, yeah, they'll have they to throw him. put him up into F1. But next year, the grid's tight. Like, who's yeah. going to drop a driver? I mean, potentially Alfa Romeo. Yeah, and, and it's that's interesting. That's the only one I can think of. And that's a bit of news as well, Campy, that uh, Sauber have just signed another multi-year deal with Alfa Romeo and they're not bound to have Ferrari junior drivers in that car for this next Thank load you. of things. Ooh. So maybe... Maybe there is an opportunity for for Piastri, and we know as Mark Webber is his manager, he's going to do the right thing for Oscar. And look, we spoke yep. about this last time, Camby, and I think you're absolutely right. If Mark says, "Actually, mate, sit out for a year, go be yep. a reserve driver for one of the bigger teams, if it's Alpine or whoever, and yep. just hold on, we'll get you somewhere good." Because even if he has some time in DTM, it's yeah. not a bad thing because the racing in DTM is bloody significant and and just good to keep your your eye into it. And we've got other people doing similar things. So, yeah, I'm excited for him. I'm really, really excited to have him somewhere near a Formula One car because I think he deserves it. Yeah, I think he's setting, he's setting the Formula One world and the paddock a lot with his results at the moment. And he's a character. I like mean, he seems like a really good kid. I mean, we talk about the results that this guy's getting. It is comparable to 
your Landos, your George Russells, your, even going back, your Nico Rosbergs and Lewis Hamiltons. That's how good his results are yep. in a first year to be able to jump in and adapt to a car and tyres and the way that they work. I, uh, I, yeah, he's the real deal. So we'll see him in Formula 1 and hopefully he's as good as uh, his couple of predecessors in the last oh. decade, Mark Weber and uh, Danny Rick. So yeah, yep. sports looking up for Aussies. You also yeah, have two wrong. in at the same time. That'd be incredible. Yeah, maybe just to yeah. shun some of this British attitude from Sky News, Tommy, you've uh, yes, got some thoughts about that. Oh, grim, I can it? rant now, I can rant later, but I'm really sick of the British patting the British on the back for being British at Britain. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> enough. <laughs> Especially after the week they've had, lost the Euro final too, <laughs> in penalties. Yep. Oh, jeez. Like, I, I lost their mind. I do get it. And if it was an Australian broadcast in Australia, it would probably be similar. But, mate, I'm so sick of hearing about the three British drivers and all the British things that they're doing right but now. But as we've said on the Discord and other people have said on the Discord, if it was Australians patting Australians on the back to an Australian audience, that's fine. And this, But this just highlights yet again the problem with Fox Sports and KO. Yep. They refuse to do anything to yes. hold on to the the will of what we want. This is a fast-growing yep. sport. Drive to Survive, as we've, we said in a couple of interviews that we did, there was there Formula One before Drive to Survive, especially in the US <laughs> and Australia. It's bringing so many people here. If Fox Sports don't so start many. paying attention to this sport and to what we actually want, they're going to have a great time losing the rights, and I can't wait for that to happen. So we'll just, you know... If anyone uh, wants to give me Kerry Stokes's number, I'll uh, give him a call. Let's talk yeah, about. I've heard through the rumor mill, Jim. There's a few rumors swirling on Discord that uh, Channel Seven's looking for a 2023 takeover. Isn't that correct? They're looking to become the home of motorsport. That's why they've got um, Super V8 Supercars this year. They've also just bought the rights to the highlights package for Extreme E, which is an interesting thing. Um, anyway, look, we'll, we'll see what happens, but that's their, what they would want to position themselves into doing. Um, look, to be honest, I don't really care who takes it so long as it's not Fox Sports. I would be happy Correct. with Stan Sports taking it, even if I have to pay for that oh, app, at least that actually puts some terrible. attitude, uh, sorry, puts some funding behind making it, making it good. Let's talk about practice. Okay, that yes. was good. Let's talk about qualifying because <laughs> there yeah. wasn't really practice. I'm so confused oh, about this practice weekend. Practice is pointless. It's basically another parade. There's, yes. nothing, there's no point. They're basically doing a long fuel run, and that's about it. Because and they're not risking anything because they're in Park Verme now. Yep. I don't mind it. I don't mind the whole idea. I think I think what they've done in I think what they've done without really thinking it through is they've made Friday more exciting. Than I think Saturday. that was the whole point, to be honest. Yeah, like, but they've made it made more it interesting. They've yeah. made it more exciting than Saturday now. So the, yes. the pin, like Seneca Saturday and qualifying is the pinnacle of that day. Is it's been pushed back to the Friday. Now, I understand they're trying to entertain some fans, and I don't mind it, but I couldn't do it every race. It's not. Well, the point is we've now had to watch, and we're going to have to watch, sorry, three nights to stay up to date. Before, you could just not watch Friday night. It just didn't, just didn't matter enough. You tune in, you maybe watch a little bit of highlights, and then you watch qualifying. You could just not pay attention to the first three sessions, whereas now you've got to pay attention every day, and that's what they want is – value for people to get there and they want viewership for all three yep. days. I don't I mind it. I reckon they've nailed it, to be honest. Like, it's been a good idea, but it's not Yeah, I think worth. you're right. I think you're right, lads. I think it is a good idea. It's certainly brought some further entertainment. Again, I don't know why it has to be two hours later than normal. 
The English Ooh, summer is still the English summer is still summer at two o'clock in the afternoon as much as it is at four o'clock in the afternoon. Why we have to have twilight races and qualifying and then people staring into the sun as I try to interview people on the Skypad? Give me a break, <laughs> guys. It's killing us. Everywhere else in the world is killing us. Even people in the West will agree that it's a terrible time. And normally they get away with being able to watch it at a decent time. Um, but certainly, I mean, it was so confusing, wasn't it, for qualifying because it couldn't say pole position. It was Zoomiest yeah. Person Award or whatever oh, it was. Speed from, King or something stupid. Oh, give me a – that's Ugh. just also bloody stupid. But – DK. DK. St- yes, Drift King. Um, <laughs> st- starting or getting up this morning to watch the uh, watch the sprint race was actually – was good. But I feel like yes. the problem is this is going to take the shine off of the Grand Prix because the FIA have said, well, this isn't a race. It's sprint qualifying because we don't want to minimize what the actual uh, race on the Sunday is. But if you were like a kind of a Formula One fan and you were just interested in a little bit of racing, like a T20 with cricket, surely just watch this and you just forget about the uh, the event on the Sunday. Now, I'm not saying that I'm going to do that. It's just very confusing to have all of these different things in the FIA saying, no, no, it's not a race, where it's clearly a race, but it's also a qualifying session which means qualifying doesn't really matter because you can be Sergio Perez and go off and be starting yeah, 20th. But I think the points change it because there's not enough points on display for this sprint race. Let's call it a race. It's a frigging race. Yeah. For the sprint race, there's only three points to the winner, but what you really want is to qualify for the race where you can, can get maximum points. So we're going to see that the points is what the teams are after. So they're not going to overcommit to this and go all out and do crazy things, but then – if you're further back in the grid, why wouldn't you try stuff? That's where the jeopardy kind of aspect comes in. And like you said, Perez is stuffed now because he's mm. right all the way at the back. I, I think it just adds that another layer. The problem is now that qualifying is less important than it's ever been. And yep. that's a crucial aspect of being a driver. Like, so someone like Lewis Hamilton is amazing at qualifying and amazing at race. We saw Charles Leclerc is great at qualifying, not so good in the race pace a lot of the time, but because of, circumstances he managed to hang on to fourth this time. I don't think you'd see that every race. You probably would have seen Ricardo and Lando maybe get through because they do have better race pace. So this kind of sprint would favor that kind of car setup as opposed to the Ferrari on, which is just qualifying. I, I think it's interesting. I think it adds another layer to it, – it's now three aspects as opposed to just qualifying and race. Yeah, it's just another chance to compare yourself to a teammate, right? And yeah. uh, well, I don't think we need it. That's my. Th- that's I don't think we need it. I think qualifying is the most exciting part of the weekend, most weekends anyway, other than the first five to six laps of the race. Yeah. Um, and it was good to see qualifying on Friday afternoon. I think the less time that you give teams in practice, yeah, I think that's an underrated car point. Set, yeah, that's a good point. But then practice too on Saturday. What? what? It's just random. Yeah. Well. It just means that Friday is dedicated to the far, the cars going absolutely as quick as they possibly can. Saturday is then focused to race base and then a, a mini race. I would like it. Look, we don't see enough passing in Formula One for the for the sprint race to work, in my opinion. Um, we saw a bolter in Alonso last night getting off the line, making up six positions, and he made that race exciting. He did. Otherwise, it would have been a bit of a procession. Um, but so is the race. That's half the thing. That's why they're saying qualifying is so important and you can't pass. So now you're taking a bit 
less out of qualifying because you've got to be able to do the sprint race. So yeah, you but, can't just get teams just going out qualifying and then just stay in the position they are for the race, I think is what they're trying to change. But make the sprint race then indicative, make it longer, make it 34 laps and or 30 laps and make a mandatory pit stop in there. But that's not a sprint race then. Well, I as mean. As soon as there's a pit stop and you have to like tire say, look, it's, not a pit, it's not a sprint race. As anymore. I said, the problem with our sport is that we don't see passing like we should. Now, that is the problem. You'll see passing on the first two or three laps of every race and every sprint race, but you're not going to get it consistencies. God forbid we go to a place like China, which is just a heap of junk, and we'd see zero passing the whole race, and then we do a sprint race there, and it's exactly the same lineup as we had because you can't pass on it. So I, that's where the problem sits for me. I, I, don't, think, I, I think, don't think it works long term. I think it does work because you've actually got more laps that are meaningful as opposed to just pre- like doing practice laps. You've now got a race worth of laps plus a sprint worth of laps plus qualifying worth of laps. More stuff to go wrong. More things can happen over a bigger sample size as opposed to just like, hey, you qualified well and now you get to stay where you are. There's more laps, more laps for things to go wrong. And yeah. like we saw, the tire degradation, like going on the softs, was probably not a great idea for anyone else other than Alonso, who managed to hold his position. We even saw the mediums degrading after only 17 laps. Yeah, look, I'm a purist. It's a bit like Test cricket and T20 for me. Can't watch T20. I just think it's a rubbish game. But Test, I can sit there for five days and watch it. So, yeah. Well, let's talk I'm about a, the actual I'm qualifying session. Let's talk about the qualifying session because it's important oh. to note that Daniel Ricciardo really has found some rhythm with this McLaren and uh, the gap to Lando was more acceptable, shall we say, than what it's been. thousands. Which is bloody fantastic. Uh, And, of course, Norris, from what I understand, Norris's best lap was because of a toe from Daniel down the straight. So, you know, for for what it's worth, I'm very happy with he qualified seventh to go into the sprint qualifying. Um, It was really good. It's good to see him back. He's found the rhythm. He's... He's even saying to Natalie Pinkham after the qualifying that uh, yeah. he wasn't totally happy that he could fa- find some more. He thinks, which is which and he is knew great where it news. Was. It's great yeah. news because last yeah. time he's like, oh, I don't. I thought well, I gave it everything in Austria, um, so that's really really good, lads. Is this the resurgence that we've been waiting for? Yeah, I, I I think this is the form. This is what we expected to be. Him, we thought he would be beating Lando, but we. We failed to probably see that Lando was going to take a jump and a step forward. So I think this is now indicative of their pace. I think they're going to be neck and neck. You think that Daniel would have better racecraft more often than not and better, hopefully better starts. But I think qualifying-wise, we're going to see them for the rest of the year kind of like to and fro and pretty even, hopefully. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not saying he's back yet, but it's a great result for him. And I love the attitude too. Oh, yeah. There's more and I'm pissed off. I'm happy because I'm closer, but... I don't really care if I'm close. I'm here to get the most out of the car, and I didn't do it. Uh, Lando got out and said, yeah, we got the maximum out of the car today, and we couldn't have done any better. So, I mean, interesting mindset. So I think Danny Rick will come, and when he does come, he's going to scare the shit out of Lando. All right, let's talk, let's talk about George Russell's Q2 lap because George actually got that car together really well in qualifying, and considering out of practice one, he was nowhere with it. Now he yeah. put it <laughs> he put it at eighth, which was – Unbelievable, and only um, slightly behind uh, Daniel Ricciardo in terms of time. Uh, does this mean that my prediction of him going to Mercedes and Williams being a faster car next year and Valtteri Bottas winning the championship is going to come true? Jeez, he's got a pretty good claim at the moment, doesn't he? Um, it's 
I don't know. I think Toto's going to be looking at this going, he's milking absolutely every second out of that car at the moment. And Valtteri did his job this week. Like we can't, we can't forget that. And we'll talk about him a bit later, I'm sure. But he did exactly what he was supposed to do. He was the first car out in the final section of Q3 as well. So he got no toe off anyone and still managed to get third. I think that's pretty impressive and going a bit underrated. But back to George, he's doing exactly what he needs to do. He's putting his best foot forward. I think they're going to look younger. It, it kind of comes down to Hamilton because I think um, JB mentioned it in one of the the pre-practices or pre-whatever it was, talking about how sometimes you don't want a really competitive driver. You want a really good B driver that just comes around and does the right things. It depends on what Lewis wants in that situation because he's the one that's signed. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think I don't think Mercedes operate like that. Ferrari operates like that. They have a history of, well, you get some veto power, like said Bettle, when he uh, – supposedly behind closed doors, said, I don't want Danny Rick racing beside me when it was between him and Charles Clute. Um, I don't think He Mercedes, regretted that, didn't he? I don't think Mercedes operate like that. So, yeah. Although Hamilton will have some say in it. If that, Mercedes will go to him and say, what do you think? He'll probably say, oh, I like Valtteri as an opponent. He pushes me in all the right directions. And he's actually better for the team than George Russell's going to be. George Russell will get a drive in Mercedes at some stage, just whether it happens next year or not. I think Mercedes owes it to Bottas for the team game that he played this weekend too and given uh, Hamilton a tail in qualifying yeah. to, to look at next year and say, all right, clean slate, new car, this is your shot. Maybe this is the car that's born for you, you know. I think they owe it to him, but, I mean, it's a ruthless sport. Mm. So it's one of those ones, isn't it? Well, and I think JB's point was as well, like the young driver's going to come into that team and have all the energy and all the aggression and just want to take it to the senior driver. Whereas if you leave it as is, there's already a dynamic built and VB is not under any impressions that it's going to be any other way. Whereas George Rush is going to come in ignorant and go, nah, this is my team now. I'm coming in to, to mess shit up and just do what I want to do. And I don't know if that's what Lewis and the team want, if they've got, they're on a winning kind of. Look, let's not overplay his hand. I don't think he'll be beating Lewis Hamilton. No, but he'll come in with the attitude of that. Whereas VB's kind of, resigned to whatever the situation is now. He knows how things work. He knows how Mercedes is. He's been there for however long. George Ross is going to come in and just go, no, I'm here to do what I want to do and stuff everyone else. He's going to be young, energetic, do all the things. And he's unknown. He doesn't, Lewis doesn't know how he works, all those kind of things. Oh, look, the kid's showing some pace, but let's not overplay his hand. I don't think he's a future world champion or anything like that. So he hasn't showed me that much at the moment. So You clearly don't work for Sky F1 then. (laughs) (laughs) As one of the Discord says, it's amazing what he can do when he puts that shirt back on, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, look, it's good to see for Williams. Um, And also, uh, look, when it came to Latifi, he was defending pretty well against Perez. I know Perez had some damage in the sprint race, but uh, sorry, sprint qualifying session. But, um, you know, the car is looking slightly better. Um, and we know that obviously George is a, a higher tier driver than Nick, even though Nick is our favorite Canadian. But anyway, look, Williams, it's good to see them coming back towards the mid-pack, the middle of the mid-pack, which is nice. It's good to see. And can I just say, I think that's a reflection of what uh, Claire Williams and the state that she left that team in 18 months ago, a year, a year ago when she handed the team over. I mean, we don't see a lot of on-track change quickly in Formula 1. What we see is decisions made 12 and 18 months previously that sets the future of the organisation up in the car in order to do what it needs to do. And I think that's just uh, – I think that's – an Another notch in Claire Williams' belt in the way that she's brought that team from the Paddy Lowe decision 
to when she handed over, it was left in pretty good shape. And uh, I think they're reaping the on-track rewards because of what the hard work she put in just before she left. So, yeah, absolutely. Good on Williams. I'm I'm glad to see it happen. All right, let's talk about the sprint race, sprint qualifying. Oh, it's just a race. Sprint race. Just say race. Um, yeah. Max's brakes were on fire. Quite literally he was on the starting the grid into those tires, wasn't he? They're literal yeah. flames on the yeah. on the third light. There was on fire. So uh, there you go, Lewis. That's how you go into the first corner with very very hot brakes. That's my that's my comment. The inference, <laughs> the inference was that he wanted some front wheel uh, temperature and um, oh, get the pressure up in the front wheels as well. So. Yeah. You turn the brake magic off, though, Lewis. That's how you do it. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Good point. <laughs> do they all have magic dust, do they? Magic, magic dust. dust. It's not <laughs> dust. It's like it. a train. It just <laughs> drops. You're talking Instead of dropping sand to get traction, it drops magic dust. Um, magic drops, dust. Hi- drops hydrogen fertilizer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fernando well, Alonso is uh, bloody fantastic. That Apart from weaving all over the place, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's just like... It was just made me laugh because, of course, he's going to get away with it until he yep. smacked us to tell him to stop. But yep. his start was epic. That goes to show that experience can pay off hugely. Time. Yeah, well, that's what I said last week. I said if there are going to be drivers on the grid that make the most of these sprint races, it'll be someone like Fernando Alonso. Yep. Even that first lap. I mean, his start wasn't like off the line talking about. It wasn't yeah, that a little bit. great. Mm. But the lines that he chose going through the first uh, yep. three or four turns really set him up. And six places, that's – and we're not talking about B-grade drivers here. We're talking about some quick cars, drivers at the top of their game at the moment. So it's good to see. He ultimately held up uh, Lando Norris and Danny Rick, in my opinion, so they couldn't make that jump to Charlie Leclerc, who stayed in fourth. But he's – yeah, I mean, I mean, we know that Alpine's not super quick over one lap. But uh, he's uh, he's put himself in a position not where he can get a good start again and possibly score some points. I wonder if he would have had the same start on the medium, so to be honest. I don't know if he benefited from the softs that much. His lines were just incredible. Mm. It oh, wasn't he, his pace, to be honest. He definitely had better traction out of um, uh, what's it called club, I think yep. it is. Um, he definitely had the traction in order to pass Norris because he was so far behind him on the, uh, on the entry. But, yeah, yeah, that's where the difference between the soft and the medium really was. Yeah, and you just clearly showing now that he's becoming more comfortable with that car and just knows where the limits are. And I think it's so good. It's great. Also, his F1's chosen picture of him, you know, when they do the starting grid and it's like, here's everyone else, Danny Rick with his huge smile and a fist yeah. pump. <laughs> Fa- Fernando Alonso looks like some kind of evil character out of a Disney movie. <laughs> he does, isn't he? In a castle or at a volcano. Yeah. Oh God, the size of that bloody airbox on top of the Alpine. That was the volcano. Um, George Russell, uh, well, he started in a good position, didn't he, from the qualifying period, but then uh, he finished in the top 10 over the line without any points, which is my first hilarious point, and then he was handed a three-place grid penalty for yeeting signs off. Um, yeah, so he should. It was juvenile. Boy. Yeah, yeah, stupid. But Carlos just then made his way back through, uh, I think, just in terms of a driver, I still think Carlos Sainz is just so epic. Oh, he's got a history of this as well, just being very unlucky, but not really sulking about it and just getting on with it. Yep. Like he did a very good recovery drive, considering he didn't have many laps to do it as well. Did really well. And especially, I so mean, he, he... So he should be passing these guys in a Ferrari. Yeah. But he qualified ninth, which is not great. Yeah. yeah. And, and then... He dropped back to 18th or something. And now he's he's starting in 10th um, for tomorrow. 
uh, for for tonight, I should say for us. But uh, that's it's a good thing. But anyway, it's just that was another little battle that kept this sprint race interesting. I think absolutely the Fernando yep. comment is right, Campy as well. He definitely was holding up, although. Seb Vettel wasn't getting past him towards the end. He came close at one or two points, but then he moved under braking, doing the swervy thing. Yeah, I'm not I think Brundle said it best. He's like, Seb is, um, Alonso is making that car about four meters wide right now. <laughs> no one is getting two past meter him. regulation width, and Fernando Alonso yeah. is six meters <laughs> wide. Uh, Martin Brundle, of course, just carrying the whole Sky Sports F1 team this weekend. Yeah. Um, Big time. And yeah, Perez was interesting, wasn't it? Coming through those chicanes, uh, an epic part of the lap to, to watch, but uh, clearly just showing how much these cars affected are affected rather in turbulent air, getting mm. um, his rear left, I think, just on that green piece of painted concrete outside the curb. And yep. uh, yeah, his uh, gearbox overtook him. He was lucky to avoid the wall though. He did save it quite well, to be honest. I thought he was done for. That was going to be a shunt, and he saved it. Yeah. He just got a bit happy on the right foot, didn't he? Yeah. I mean, he had turbulent air coming off it, so. Just a bad combination of, like, oh, conditions. Great set of corners, though. Yeah, it is. Oh, Maggots and Beckett's. Yeah. Oh, it's just unbelievable to watch. It's so good. And it's flat. You saw Lewis Hamilton tried to make the move around Max on, like, lap one around the outside. It, was, it, was just, it would have been awesome. Ah, it's good to watch, though. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a shame for shame for Perez. It's just unlucky. What is it with this Red Bull number two driver? Oh, I don't know if you can put it to that this time. That was just like it could happen to anyone. Just the conditions at that section, turbulent air, bit too happy on the throttle and just looped. He, if it was anyone else, they probably would have put it in the wall. So, why, why is he? Why is he in a McLaren sandwich off the start? Because mm. he, like he shouldn't well. be yeah. there in the first place. Yep. When your teammate, I mean, look. I'm critical of these number two drivers, and I think Perez has been the best number two since Dan, Danny Rick was the number one. But um, yeah, it frustrates me to watch like how far these guys are off Max, or is Max just that good? Max is that good, mate. Yeah. Max I, is that good. I think it's just one of those once-in-ten-year driver who, drivers yeah. who is just absolutely stonking it, and he is yeah. showing that. Right now, and his maturity as well at the moment is phenomenal. The guy's only like 23 years old. It's ridiculous, uh, genuinely ridiculous. I think so. Perez also retired the car. I think that's because they wanted to do some work and some changes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they retired it. So now he's going to start even further back, I'm sure, like even in the pit, right? Well, he's, yeah, he's starting works. on 20th. Well, from yeah. the pit lane, if they need to do any significant changes to the car, which yeah. look, and, and I've said, said this in my note here that he's got experience from coming from literally the very back of the grid to winning a Grand Prix. True. Yep, and it, we know tyre degradation's high, so he's going to start on the hard tyre, you would have thought, and just go as long as he can, hope for an opportunity, yep. a yellow or something, and make the best of it. Like, I think that's, to be honest, not a bad spot for him in comparison to, like, starting in, like, a 16th or something. That could have been theoretically worse. Yep. But it also now throws jeopardy in for Max because he doesn't have someone exactly. to help break up strategy. Yep. So. We've now got two Mercedes behind him. What do they do to split strategy and oh, clear two, force Max's hand? Clear two stop tonight. Very oh, yeah. clear two stop. Yep, absolutely. After the tired deg we saw after 17 laps, um, I don't think you're going to get another 10 laps at the pace they were running yep. at last night. So two stop, commit early. Commit early. Yep. And do you, do you for think- those starting, I think, look, if I'm Danny Rick, I'm going, I'm starting on the hards too because they don't, they don't, they're not bound by – um, no, the everyone gets free choice. Yeah, so, just something to point out. Yep. If I'm Danny Rick, 
I might take a few positions off lap one or hold my position and keep it there and start on the hard and see how long you can go into this race. And I think it will still ultimately be a two-stop. But if we get a safety car or yep. um, or a virtual, I think that's going to, like one or two laps of that throws the two-stop out and For it's sure. real close. So yep. if anyone can make a long strategy work and possibly jump up to fourth and hopefully yeah. something happens to the top three, I think, they are on for a podium this evening. Well, back to Max quickly. What does he do at the front with two Mercedes goes. hovering? Nah, he just goes. goes you need to pull, can. but you need to pull that gap, don't you? So, which tire are you starting on if you're Max? Oh, you mediums. He'll start on mediums. Yeah, I don't think you can go full hards and softs. Putting too much risk involved if oh. Lewis is too close. Oh, he needs yeah. to build that gap where the undercut can't work. Right. Well. Yeah, but he's clearly got the pace in that Red Bull to do so if he's out yeah. in front. I think if Lewis Hamilton is ahead, I think um, I think Max just drops back by three or four seconds, conserves his tyres, and goes. Yeah, we're not going to get the win today, but that's okay. The other thing I've got is, the lead in the championship, yeah. and we're yeah. thinking long term. Let's just bank some good points and not put it in the bin. The undercut not. is real here, though, because the in lap is actually potentially quicker across the line than a normal lap based on where the pit entry is and how many corners it misses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You actually get a very good in-lap here. So that is worth keeping in mind. Mm, good point. A look at me, go. Unbelievable. <laughs> We're all actually yeah, second time ever I've provided information. Shocked. But it's the same It's the same for every driver, right? It so. is, but it just gives the the undercut a bit more of an advantage because your in-lap is so crucial. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you could make that work before the other driver gets to realise. So you, I reckon you'll see Hamilton force first. If he stays in second, whichever Mercedes driver is behind Max, I think will go the undercut and leave the, the further back one out there there's, to go for longer. There's a lot to be said for the start here. And Charles Leclerc, if he gets in front of Bottas, he's going to slow Bottas down a lot because we know that the Ferrari doesn't have that kind of pace. So it is vital for Valtteri to maintain that third position or at least jump Lewis if he can. But if yep. you if if he gets behind any anyone else, that's the second car for Mercedes strategy gone. Um, and we've seen, you know, what should be a two-stop and then a one-stop, you know, happening with both Lewis and Max this year, where they've both suffered as a result of that. So they're going to be really making sure that uh, they're, they're building that gap, I think, for, for Red Bull and then doing a two-stop and just seeing what happens with the race because you just don't know. I mean, there's, yep. there is jeopardy, as you say, Tommy T, around this track when you make a little mistake like uh, Perez did. I mean, you saw Mazepin going into Schumacher in the first couple of corners as well, which is no surprise at all, but there's a potential again for a safety car out of that. There's just so much that could go uh, right or wrong for Red Bull and Hamilton's start's going to be key too. If he can jump, if he can return the favour as to what Max did on him for the start of that sprint qualifying, then, you mm. know, Lewis will will boot it. He'll go yep, because that's what sure. he does. He knows how to do that well. And even Toto Wolf saying that they've made some, or they found some good gains and unlocked some potential of the car as well. Toto looking pretty smug with himself this weekend. And it's good to see that back on yeah. coverage. He's a funny guy yes. when it comes to interviews, isn't he? He's a character. And of course, Sergio Perez has come through the, the field quickly as well. Just something else to watch for. Uh, he had, You'd think he'd be on for points for sure. Yeah. A car that good. Yeah. So he needs when to get up to are we going to see a crash between like the top three or top four or five? Well, it's only if Fernando Alonso. We're going to see a crash between the top five at some stage. Only if Fernando Alonso or Esteban Ocon are Norris sick. Norris is in the top five. Is that what you're getting at? 
<laughs> I, yeah, I'm off Norris at the moment. I'm off him. If like Danny Rick, I just want him to beat him. The yeah, only way this is going to happen beat him down every weekend. is if one of the Alpine drivers is sick and Danny Kvyat steps into the car and then goes <laughs> hard base, full Russian mode. In, although, can he? I don't know if he can go under a Russian flag too. Maybe he's a Ru- Russian Automotive Federation neutral flag yeah. himself into the middle of that pack. It's the only way. Yes, please. That'd be good to you see. You know him. what? He, he's going straight for Max. Oh. Straight <laughs> for Max. He doesn't care about anyone else. Exactly. <laughs> he, he just he'll spin the car around and just drive the other direction. Go full F one twenty twenty one. Mazepin had a spin last night too. Just flat one when he crashed into his teammate. What that that was kind of a weird one though. That wasn't. He saved it. He, he just had under spinning he now. Just he recovers. He spins quite well. He understeered straight into the side of Schumacher again. No downforce or anything with that car. It's all held together with paper mache, probably. Um, McLaren pace. Let's talk about this because for Daniel Ricciardo, this is as you said, Campy, just before. It's an opportunity for him to potentially get a podium if something was to happen towards the front. He starts behind Charles Leclerc, who starts behind Lewis. So there is some potential for him to get around the inside going into the first corner. We saw Norris being able to do some pretty good moves himself, to be honest, to, to hold his position um, going into the first corner from the sprint qualifying. Is Can we really expect Daniel to jump Lando in that first couple of corners? Yes. He's done it three or four times this year on that one. Got past him. Circumstances, I think he did it at Azerbaijan. He's he, done it when there's someone in between, I think, usually. Someone at, else to hold it up. He did it at Azerbaijan. He definitely did it in one of the first couple of races. I think it's harder when you're kind did of it. like just behind, like uh, one place. I, I think there'll be a lot of drivers looking at the line Alonso took last night and trying to replicate that somewhere. I think mm. Danny Rick went inside last night when in – Onside, he probably should have gone outside because he had a good jump off the line too. He's so. starting inside on six, isn't he? Uh, no, he's starting on the outside. He's yeah, starting on the outside line. Yeah, because he's, he's side by side with um, Verstappen started in second. Oh no, he actually won. <laughs> so I was right. You well, were right. He's, well, he's, he's starting on the inside. Oh, oh but side by side with his teammate. So. It, this is where he could get the inside line. You think if he gets a good slipstream, yep. just avoid no, grates just on the inside on the grass, please, Daniel. Throw that'd be something great. Lando or Mario Kart just as he's uh, <laughs> banana. <laughs> banana. Mate, Danny Rick needs to get a result over his teammate. He does. He Has absolutely. To. That is this For weekend. For his own confidence. Yes. Couldn't agree with you more. He needs to. He yeah. needs to be ahead, and he needs to be fourth. Like if if the first three stay as they yeah. are, he needs to be finishing fourth this weekend, and not far behind Bottas. Needs to be pushing Bottas, like we saw Lando do in Austria. Um, yep. I'm excited for him. Seriously, I think I've got a good feeling about this weekend for Daniel. I haven't had that at all this year, so hopefully, fingers crossed that we'll, we'll see that that happen. Yes, um, and of course, yep. Tommy T. The last thing to watch for in this race is George Russell to still not score any points. I'll ease up if if the Formula Racing Gods can just grant me this one that he can't get a point at the British Grand Prix. He can have one after that. This is the last one I want. Just <laughs> oh, the saddest. Imagine in the commentary and the shit we'll hear about for the next. Three months. Right. Oh, George Russell scored point at home. We went from hearing nothing about Formula One and only everything about the Euros, and it's coming home by David Croft. And geez, how quiet he was this weekend Very about not talking quiet. about football. Thank goodness, couldn't couldn't wait for that to happen. But yes, I hopefully again. Well, lads, that's uh, that's it. Looking forward to tonight. Hopefully, Daniel Rick can get up towards the podium. 
It's been a pleasure to talk through this with you. And if you haven't yet jumped onto our Discord server and you're listening to this, please do so. You'll have a great time. We've had a whole stack of people joining us recently. And uh, thank you to you if you've done that. You'll know yourself that we've got excellent banter and a great commentary going on. Uh, <laughs> Campy even has the ability to jump on too. And uh, and he's quite pleasant towards people on it, which is unusual. Come and see for yourself. Yes. Find he's the link nice in the description oh, below. We all love Campy here, don't we? We do. <laughs> All right, boys. We'll see you as we review the Silverstone Grand Prix tomorrow. Mate, I used to yell at kids' parents on the sideline, be like, get your kid off, you shit ass. I'm sure that went, went, that went down well. Oh. It's a different generation. They're all <laughs> soft, aren't they? We're all the same age. They need a bit of <laughs> tender love and care, these Oh, let's just pat them on the back, give you a participation award. Toughen up, up. Life's going to get real tough for people in the next two years in Australia. You know, let's sit around and talk about our feelings and, oh, the mental health. Survival of the fittest is coming.